What is going on? And thank you for tuning into the drop. And you like that opening? That opening, like Photoshop and, and computer technology is awesome. That really isn't me. I like dragged and dropped and made it look like I could ride a skateboard. Just kidding. I love skating, and that's a lot of the reason that I've gotten this far. My skateboard career has opened a lot of doors. This is one of them. Thank you so much for tuning into the drop-in. And I want to thank some people out of the gate because this show is is predicated on, on support, on people who support us, on you, the viewer, watching our show, people who love the motivation and the inspiration that comes through these airwaves. And today we are brought to you by the amazing folks that play at the plate. Every day they're making dreams become a reality. Would you like to play some baseball? You still dream of playing on a major league field, experiencing the magic of places like Field of Dreams? For 15 years, Play at the Plate has been making dreams come true. Play at the Plate offers you the chance to play ball. Join us for a lifetime experience. Go to playattheplate.org or call Scott Green at 631-255-4475. That's 631-255-4475. Now, make sure to check them out, especially like if you're into historic baseball. I mean, if you play and you want to play on that field of dreams, play at the plate will take care of you. So, check them out. They are a huge reason, like I said, why we are here today. You know, this show has uh, been a passion of mine for a long time, a very long time. And here at the NRM Studios, I get to make it a reality. It's almost like my personal play at the plate, quite a bit. It's very much like that because I get to bring in guests and, and they inspire me. I get goosebumps talking about it. I don't know if you can see it from there, but I get goosebumps when I talk about it because I could never really, uh, I couldn't even imagine this actually happening. And through uh, just keeping a drive, keeping a passion, having goals, it has become a reality. So I'm very honored to be here. Thank you for being here. And this last week has been nothing short of amazing. It has been truly amazing in my life. Thursday night I was down at Smalls in Hamtramck, which is just outside of Detroit, Michigan, and I got to see Off With Their Heads, one of my favorite bands on the planet, and also Sam I Am, which Sam I Am hasn't played since about 92. So a bunch of us were there, and we were all at that show in 92. It was amazing. It was like a, a family reunion of sorts. So that started the week. Friday, I'm at Comic-Con, and if you haven't checked out NRM's coverage of Comic-Con, holy Hannah. They were streaming all weekend long, interviews, crazy stuff going on. I got to host a, a game show, a Star Wars game show, and I had a blast. I had this crazy green olive suit on, and just having a good time with the crowd, with the contestants, it was seriously like a party. And there was just so much going on at NRM broadcast all weekend long. There's interviews, there's weird little shows. There's all sorts of stuff going on, so make sure to check out that through uh, NewRadioMedia.com. It was really a one-of-a-kind kind of deal, and I know there's going to be more to come because the Comic-Con sort of experiment a little bit went crazy good, and more cities are reaching out now and saying, hey, we want to do that at our place. We want some more of that. So make sure to check out NRM's Comic-Con coverage, and also about 3.15 on Friday, I don't know how they're they're putting it in there, but about 3.15 on Friday is when I hosted the show, so check that out as well. That was Friday. 
I wake up Saturday and I'm driving to Youngstown, Ohio, which is just outside of Cleveland, and I'm going down to speak about recovery. And I'm a recovered alcoholic, so I like to talk to people and get them fired up and let them know there is hope. So I go down there, this guy bought this hotel because he had lost two of his brothers to a heroin overdose and he has made it a recovery mecca in Youngstown. And I was down there as a favor for a friend. It was his book launch. So we were just having a good old time and I got to meet everybody one-on-one -on -one and also speak to uh, a big group. Phenomenal, phenomenal time to let these gentlemen know because it was an all-male facility. Let these gentlemen know that there is hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. I am living proof of that. I, I mean, I've been in the ringer. I, I, I know what it's like to sleep in the gutter. I know what it's like to have nothing. And luckily, I got out of that hole, and I am here today with you. And that really leads us into my guest today. Because had I not stopped drinking, more than likely I'd be dead. But I definitely would have had some run-ins with the law. And today I have a very good friend of mine. Uh, Jordan is, um, uh, I don't even know where to begin. You know, I've known this guy since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. I saw him riding a skateboard and very, very talented skateboarder. I watched him rip around the Novi Vans Park. And Novi, again, is about an hour from Detroit. Vans, shoes, put a park there. And I used to see him ripping all over there, probably in full gear when he started. And then that gear slowly starts falling off. And you get cocky and you get good. And you don't want to wear safety equipment anymore. Jordan was one of those guys. But his talent level is amazing. Amazing. If you ever get a chance to see him around the metro Detroit area, one of the smoothest skateboarders I have ever seen in my life life and he just always is having a good time smiling and it doesn't matter what he is skating it could be a curb it could be a quarter pipe it could be a vert ramp dude will rip it but that isn't even the best part of the story that isn't even the best part of the story because he uh went to law school he decided he wanted to be a lawyer and i didn't see him for a while next thing i know he's a lawyer and and it has just been amazing to watch as his evolution continues, continues to grow and continues with momentum, in April 27th, he opened his own brick and mortar. And we are going to talk all about that. It is my uh, sincere pleasure to bring on Mr. Jordan Zubke. How are you, Jordan? Hello, Garrow. How you doing? <laughs> Why you sound so official, man? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, you know, thank just, you for having me. Thank you very much for being here. You know, I know as a lawyer, I'm sure you have a very, very busy schedule, and there's never a, a, a time a punch a punch clock to punch. You're you're working probably 24 hours a day, huh? It's a never ending. The whole thing is never ending. It's a a job you go to sleep with, a job you wake up with, dream about, and live 24 seven. Yeah. So we met. I'm going to say, I don't know, 15 years ago or something. It's been a while. We've known each other quite a bit. And you, you uh, coming up as a, as a young young ripper, actually, you know, you, you really, I, I watched you just start skating and continue to evolve as a skateboarder. How was your upbringing, brother? Like, where did you grow up at? How was that? Uh, raised in West Bloomfield, Michigan. So Oakland County, just outside of Detroit. Uh, found skateboarding at 10 years old in Florida, of all places. Some kid was riding a skateboard, and I said, please let me try that. And 
basically would not give him his skateboard back because it was just the thing that captured my attention. And it, I never looked back. Every day from that day moving forward, I can remember the day, and my life changed forever. You I know, could instantly just, I knew how they worked. You know, I was very similar. I had a best friend come come back from Florida, of all places, and I was about 11 years old, and he came back, and he had this wide skateboard, and it looked like an ironing <laughs> board, and I'm like, let me try that. And I never looked back. You know, I never looked back. It's been a passion of mine since about the same age. And uh, it, it really is phenomenal how skateboarding brings people together. It really does. Um, I, I speak with kids all the time, and they meet their best friends in skate parks. They meet their friends that they've had for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, for me, 30, 35 years that I met through skateboarding. And that's how I met you. Um, so, so, Wes Bloomfield, you know, what's it like there? Were your parents into your skating at a young age? Totally supportive from the beginning. My mom bought me, well, my parents bought me my first skateboard for probably what was my 10th birthday. But I grew up at two miles from where we're speaking right now. So this is actually my home. I mean, I skateboarded around these parking lots for years of my life. So what? this is very, like, I couldn't be any closer to where I was born, where I was raised, and all my people. So oh. I'm basically home. home. I am home. How rad is that? I'm sure in your wildest dreams, you know, at 11 years old, I doubt if you were thinking, you know, in a, in, in a decade or two, I'm going to be sitting in a studio right down the street from my house doing a podcast with this dude I met. And you don't, you don't make this stuff up. So thank you very much again for being here today, Jordan. Uh, honor and a privilege. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Right on, right on. Well, it is, it, you know, when I, when the show came up, I think I, I spoke with you probably before we even did the first episode, and I said, I want you on the show. I think you would really hit home what the drop-in is about. And the drop-in, the main focus of this show is to reach as many people as possible with inspirational stories of following your passion, of really never giving up and, and just going after it. And that's what I, I believe you embody as a person. And if it's skateboarding, if it's uh, law, I mean, I think you're the type of person that if in 10 or 15 years you decide you dig something else, you're going to go after it 100% and, and, and really, really take advantage of your personal drive towards whatever it is you're doing, really. Um, skateboarding is, is a very unique thing. What are some of your highlights from your skate career? The best skateboarding ever was being 11, 12 years old, growing up in a parking lot at Comerica Bank off of uh, 15 and Orchard Lake, which is, I feel like, where I learned about life. It's where I saw two people having sex in a car one time. <laughs> it's where I met people who taught me how to do a kickflip. It was really, I mean, that's the most nostalgic part of when I look at skateboarding and I think about it, I see myself in that parking lot and that's what I, I guess it's my happy place. And then everything that follows thereafter, going to Modern Skate Park, which was an old park in Ferndale, Michigan, an old cut up nothing that I feel like shaped the way I look at the world and how I look at things and the people I've met and I've probably heard about you there and you were an enigma as the guy that's the pro skateboarder. So we looked up to you because that's what you do when you're younger. You look up to the guys who are the pro skateboarders that made a living doing this silly thing that was just a hobby in our lives. So it's a very interesting 
perspective to now be on this show, like you said, because you just don't, you never, I never would have guessed. It's a very interesting uh, experience. Yeah, at that time in my life, I never would have predicted that I would be on these national airwaves broadcasting at NRM Studio across the world inspiring people to get off their damn couch and that's what essentially that's what we get to do here is inspire people to get off their couch get off their butts and make life happen and i could have never predicted that never in a million years could i could i have done that back during those metro trend days and now here we are so as you move forward through your education was there a point in time when you decided that you were going to be a lawyer it was probably when I decided that I couldn't be a teacher because I took one class on education and they said, you're going to work too hard, you're going to get paid too little, but if you want to be a teacher, this is the job for you. And I remember looking around that room saying, you know what, I don't want to be a teacher. And that was the end of that. And then it was just, well, I've got to do something. And I was an English major, I was a writer. so. It. I just figured, you know what, I'm going to apply to law school, called my dad, said, I think I'm going to go to law school, and I'm going to apply. And it was really that simple. It was just a, a decision that quick. It's always been in my life. I'm going to do this, and I'm very fortunate that I have an uncle who's a very successful, established attorney in this area. So I had a very, I had an idea of somebody who was like me. It's my father's brother. And Uncle David was, I guess, my inspiration and one of them. And that's who got me started in the law when I finally passed the bar and got rocking and rolling. Right on. Now, when you made that decision, because I've made some kooky decisions in my life. People look at me sideways, you know, early on and they were like, you want to do what? You know, and now... Um, you know, we're, we're pretty deep into it, and I've been fairly successful at a few different things, so people don't look at me so sideways anymore when I come up with wacky, harebrained ideas. Now, when you decided, hey, I want to go, go into law, anybody try to talk you down, try, try to tell you you're crazy? I don't think anybody talked me down. I think where there is a pushback is when you say, I don't want to go work for any of the big firms and do the very regimental way that most lawyers go. Most of my friends in law school went to work for insurance companies and big law firms and were doing things that I said, this looks terrible. I would rather dig ditches. And went against the grain and figured, you know what? Either I'll be a lawyer at the end of this or I'll just be a guy with a law degree and I'll find a job that way. So it was never a... I feel like there was no pushback in the beginning. It was more later when it's like, what are you going to do after this? You know, I'll blame that on skateboarding, Jordan, because, you know, skateboarding is totally against the grain. I don't care where you are. It's If it was 30 years ago when I started or today, it is a creative outlet. There is no uniform. There is no coach. There is no right way or wrong way to do it. You go out and do it. You have a good time. You smile, and that works for you. It might not work for him. It works for you. My style is different than your style, but we're both having the same amount of fun. It doesn't matter. So being a little bit against the grain, not not willing to, to rank and file, <laughs> get in line and follow exactly the mold, I, I'm going to say that that was something that was possibly already in you starting maybe even before 11 years old, before you started uh, skating? I think skateboarding opened that up. That was the 
there was the book. I, I I feel like I didn't start living my life until I found this one thing that captured my imagination and attention because it was like. 24-7, that's it. Learn about every pro, watch all the videos, skateboard until your shins bleed, you're, everything's bleeding, you can't, there's nothing to do. Sitting in your driveway over and over, as you know, as people who've probably watched skateboarding see that it's not the easiest thing to do, especially in the beginning. So I think that everything moving forward from that really does fall into where it all began like my my life started at 10 years old i was just living up to 10 years old and after 10 then i knew what i wanted and at that time it was just to ride skateboards and then there came a point where it's like well either you're gonna just do this or you're gonna go do something else and up until college when i was considering dropping out to go to california and went to california to pursue the skateboarding career which maybe you don't even know about but i lived on a couch in santa monica california and my plan was never to go home but i ended up back in school and that's a whole story in and of itself well and and you know it, it's interesting and i'm not at all shocked that you went to california because your talent on a skateboard is natural when I watch you ride, it's very natural, very flowing, very comfortable. It's not not forced, and I love it. I, I look at, at, at like your style and go, man, I wish I could ride like that, because I feel like I have to try too hard. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not surprised that you did go to Santa Monica, because your talent t warranted that, definitely, on a skateboard. Where did you go to law school? Uh, law school was in Cooley Law School in Auburn Hills, Michigan. So from Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, to uh, move back, actually, right here where we're basically speaking. Moved in with my parents to suffer through three and a half years of what could only be described as uh, cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> and then from there, suffered through another year getting the business going and then finally moving out and actually making a few bucks and then becoming, I feel like, a, a trial lawyer. Right on. Well, you know, you don't have to tell me the truth here, but you look like you're about 18 years old. Like when you told me originally that uh, you were opening your own brick and mortar place, when I saw that, I'm thinking, dude's like 21 years old. Like how how has he already tried cases? Y y you look great. Um, how old are you, Jordan? I was born April 26, 1989. <laughs> I'm a tourist, 30 years old, as of. A couple weeks ago. <laughs> well, you, you look wonderful. You look great. Keep you doing whatever you're doing. Ride your skateboard, whatever. I think skateboarding is a fountain of youth. You know, I people think so. people think I look 10, 15 years younger than what I am, and I blame it on my skateboard. Uh, it, it definitely keeps you young. And in your profession now, I mean, the law has got to get stressful. I mean, you're a criminal defense attorney. How does uh, how does how do you deal with the stress? Skateboarding. A very great partner in crime who happens to be my business partner, my fiance, my other half, and good family, good friends, and not taking yourself too seriously, even though the things that you deal with on a daily basis are very, they affect people's lives in terms of like the justice system, the inequities of the justice system, substance abuse, all that stuff is not my tear they're not my tears to cry 
So there comes a point where you just decide either I'm going to not do this because it bothers me, or you have to have a way to separate yourself from the project, which ultimately comes with time, and it makes you a better lawyer, a better advocate, I think a better person. So to have empathy, sympathy, but to leave it when it's time to leave it, but that's just time and hobbies, and there's a, so many things I do when I'm not in a courtroom that are for the better part of the business, because it's not just one case. It's a lot of cases, and the next case, and the next case, and the law firm, and the office, and this, and my partner. There's so many other moving parts to just the law. Well, we are sitting here with Jordan Zubke, and I mean, 30 years old, his own brick and mortar law firm. His marketing campaigns are amazing, and we're going to get to that. But I want to talk more about this fiance thing, brother man. Um, your fiance, your partner in crime, your heck, half the namesake of the firm. Let's talk about that. How did you meet your uh, fiance? At a criminal defense conference in Traverse City, Michigan. We were the two young lawyers. It's called CDAM. If you're going to be a criminal defense attorney, <clears throat> this is where you go. This is where you hang out. This is the best of the best. It's where everybody goes. And you learn about new laws. There's conferences and seminars about how to just be a better lawyer. And her and I were the two young lawyers there who didn't really know anybody or know anything, but we knew how to hang out. And we ended up on a after the seminar was over with a bunch of very very successful criminal lawyers who've represented some of the biggest criminals in the state uh, on a wine tour and in a stretch limousine drinking the finest wine all around Traverse City and I from that moment on had a very very close friend and inevitably we ended up getting a case together and our relationship as friends grew 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 and grew and I mean, she moved from where she was to Royal Oak, where I inevitably moved when, after I got my firm up and running and we were separate, she was working for a friend of mine. And at some point, she wasn't happy. I said, come to our office, rent some space. And we were running our own separate businesses in the same building, but not together. And the growth and the evolution and how it all came together is just a very... It just took a lot of time. Well, it brought us brought us to April 27th. There right? you go. You know, and April 27th was a very big day. I would have been there, except we were having a big event for our drop-in Downriver nonprofit to raise some money for a skate park in uh, the Downriver area, about 20 minutes south of Detroit. But April 27th was huge, huge. I saw it all over the social media that you were, uh, you were having a big old blowout and opening your brick and mortar. Uh, where's it at? You know, and, and how, I mean, was that years long? Was it, I'm going to make the decision within six months you had the place? How did that work out? It was probably the biggest, luckiest opportunity of my entire life in that my, so Marina Chupak, my fiance, partner in crime, as I often call her, we had a, an opportunity where her family had to get rid of a building and acquire a new property, which we have now been bestowed the property and told, make magic happen and create something great. So we did a full build out on the property. So six offices, a full yoga studio in the basement, a full industrial kitchen in the basement. This is a 
a beautiful place. It has all of my blood, sweat, and tears. From the moment we bought the office, that was just the beginning. Six, seven months later, ripping the entire place apart, tearing it down, putting up new walls, painting it, new floor, to get rid of the cigarette smoke. I mean, this place was a dump. The guy that lived there did not know that he was sitting on such a beautiful space because he neglected it so long, was probably living in the basement. We have turned this place completely around, and if it wasn't for the people who I've surrounded myself, the help, clients, past clients who've come in to volunteer time, pay off debts by cleaning the office, I've done a lot of the work because I'm relatively handy as a result of skateboarding and pulling apart things and putting them back together that it just came about. And now, so it's really two businesses. It's a fully functioning law office upstairs, full conference room, full offices, beautiful, amazing. And then you go downstairs, and that's probably Marina Sanctuary, which is a fully functioning yoga studio that can hold anywhere from 20 to maybe 30 people in the studio. And then a kitchen that we can rent out. It's really an amazing creative space. Right on, man. I mean, you know, for all of you who say bad things about lawyers and anybody you hear who says bad things about lawyers, point them to this show. Point them to this show with Jordan, because what he just said is exactly what I want you to remember. Isn't he a lawyer? Like he can pay. He's rich. He can pay people to do all that stuff. Correct. Is that correct? But uh, what did he just say? You know, he took the time, the blood, sweat, and tears, called in some favors to friends, ripped down walls himself. And a lot of that comes from the resourcefulness of growing up. Uh, I'm sure uh, the family had something to do with that. The skateboard family had a lot to do with that. Because as you're coming up as a skateboarder, you learn resourcefulness. You learn how to build obstacles and build ramps and fix your own board and do this and do that. And at this point, when he was uh, deciding to create this brick-and-mortar sanctuary, as he uh, uh, said, uh, took it upon himself to, to do a lot of the work himself, along with friends and family. So where is this located at, Jordan? Where is your place at? 1719 Crooks. And how far is that from here? A criminal defense firm off Crook Street that's probably maybe, I don't know, 10 miles away. Okay. So not very far. But it's Royal Oak, Michigan. What used to be maybe five blocks from my house, but I have since moved. So it, it really is my home, away from home. It's nicer than my house. And so we're not, uh, Royal Oak isn't too far from Detroit. We're only like 20 minutes outside of Detroit and Royal Oak, maybe half hour. Um, but not still, even. servicing the southeastern Michigan area, basically, um, you know, as a criminal defense attorney, I don't, I have no clue how that works. You know, you, you said you passed the bar. I get it. It's a big test. You get the law degree. But, you know, do you have to try, try 500 cases? You have to try 50 cases. How do you actually become a lawyer? I think you become a lawyer, as I told other lawyers. You're not truly a criminal defense attorney if you haven't left court crying at least one good time. Because the amount of sweat equity, emotion that you have to put into it to truly feel what it is, I think, to be in somebody else's shoes, if anybody has read um, To Kill a Mockingbird, as Atticus, Atticus Finch, a very wise lawyer, once said, then um, I think that's what it really takes. But I guess to answer the question, 
I mean, you just take as many cases. I think where we've been very, we, where we've set ourselves apart is that we do try a lot of cases. I think you watch a lot of CSI and shows like that, and you think, hmm, every case must go to trial. There must always be a trial. But statistically, 99% of all cases plead guilty before a jury or a case is tried before a judge. So when you look at the system in that standpoint and appreciate those numbers, which there's a lot of conversation about the justice system and funding and all of that that's rolled into why that statistic ex exists, um, very few cases are tried. However, we've been recognized for the amount of trial work we do. I've probably tried close to, in five years, 30 cases before juries, and ranging from low-level misdemeanor cases to capital cases where people have been accused of and convicted of awful, awful things. Rape, actually. So it's all over the board in that conversation. I makes some people very turned off to lawyers like we represent the scum of society, I've heard people say. But it's um, an honor and a privilege yeah, to I, do that work. Well, like I said, I want people who think uh, lawyers are the scum of society to tune into this show because you'll get a little bit of a, a more realistic feel, a more humanizing feel of what it really is to become a lawyer. You know, Jordan embodies uh, just hard work and drive and passion, shifting gears, going into, that is a huge lesson from today's show, and that's shifting gears, going into college and, and saying, I want to be a teacher, and then realizing, yeah, I, I, I really don't want that, and shifting gears and becoming a lawyer, and I think it's amazing, because blew my mind, really, when I first saw him, and, and, and he mentioned that to me, I believe it was at Modern, in, in, uh, Modern Skate and Surf in Novi, Michigan, uh, in the southeastern Michigan area, I think I saw him, and he told me, and I was just like because you just don't know you don't know what people do when they're not at the skate park or at the local skate spot you just don't know and it blew my mind and as i found out more i'm intrigued i'm like i want to know more like how does this happen like what do you got to do what did he do was he threatened did his you know somebody did he lose a bet and had to go to law school and obviously not he didn't it was a choice he made and he's crushing it crushing it right now uh, it, it, it is a truly truly inspirational story especially april 27th opening your own firm that is a huge monumental thing that so many people in your field don't don't do no and advised against it and said you'll you'll sink the ship too much overhead why would you take on the responsibility rent space however i think to truly grow this to where we think we can grow it we needed the space, and we needed the offices, and we needed to be surrounded by this many people, and you need a, you need a, a building to do it. I mean, there's just too much between we have a mobile office that is built in a trailer that we want to grant for that I think represents so much of what we even wanted to do, and that's parked in back. A giant old F-150 covered in monkeys and unicorns that says criminal defense at its finest. And that drives around town and has our phone number plastered on it. I mean, you need a place to store this stuff. To the neon signs that I always thought people will see neon signs, being interested in old signage, you need a physical building that's yours to put that stuff there because my landlord wouldn't even let me park my truck in the front of his old 
um, my old office. So I wasn't even allowed to park my marketing material there because he was so threatened by the fact that he knew we were marketing better than he was. Well, and your marketing is phenomenal. I have to say, uh, I stopped into the Dally in the Alley this year, which is a huge festival on the outskirts of the Wayne State University campus. And we come walking around the corner, and there's Jordan. And he come over and give me a hug. And I think that is so rad that you have the, the trailer that drops down, and you're giving mobile legal advice at festivals like that, which you know. I don't want to be stereotypical here, but there's plenty of people in that crowd who can use some free legal advice. Where did you come up with that? The Daily in the Alley, which I think is one of the coolest events that Detroit has to offer because it's completely non-corporate and it's a very it's a community event in the Cass Corridor near Wayne State University, for those who don't know. But I always was like, when I become a lawyer, I want to stand there and give free legal advice. And that's what it started. Me borrowing somebody's tent, a 10 by 10, just to offer whatever I could. And then the next year, I was like, you know what? I need a, my own tent, and I want to make it so it looks more like a law firm. We'll put a podium there. And then the next year, I was like, all right, we're going to do a bigger. We're going to buy a box trailer, and we're going to bring the box trailer and put a hardwood floor in it and put a fireplace in it and make this thing look and smell like a law firm. So when you walk in, you say, this is mahogany. This is nice. These guys know what they're talking about. And that's just what we did. And every single year, it's grown bigger and bigger and bigger to the point of last year where we had the fully functioning mobile law office, law firm to go, which we pitched this idea in an event and won a grant for because people were so intrigued by the idea and thought, I've never seen anything like it. And it was really nothing more than just wanting to be bigger and wanting to people to look at it and be confused and say, why? What is this? What? What are these stickers? What is all this stuff? Why are you just giving me all this literature about marijuana laws and drunk driving laws? And really, we just wanted to educate people on what their rights are because they don't teach you anything in school. They don't teach you anything in driver's ed. You're really just put out into the world and you don't know most people don't even know what their Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Sixth Amendment rights are, and it was really just to educate. It's really all it ever was. And now it's grown so much bigger than that because it's we bring in other lawyers who do other areas of the law that know about tax, bankruptcy, property, real estate, things that I'm never going to do. And it's just a very, I hope, interesting and exciting way to have a conversation with the community is what I usually tell people. And it is brilliant. It is brilliant. I mean, uh, when I saw it, I'm like, wow, that's that's freaking brilliant. Just like your marketing materials. I mean, you took basically skateboard marketing and 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 brought it right along with your your passion. You know, passion of skateboarding, passion of, of practicing the law. Bam, he brings it together. And his stickers, uh, almost every board I've ridden for the last couple years has one of Jordan's stickers on that. And that's straight skateboard marketing. They're hilarious. They're hilarious. The imagery. Where does the imagery come from? And let's talk a little bit about the imagery because it's not what anybody would expect from a lawyer. The imagery comes from... Well, what would a lawyer do is where it all started. When I was branding this company, I was thinking, what are we going to do... I was fresh out of law school, living at my parents' house, depressed that I was not living outside of their house because I didn't go work for a big insurance company and sell my soul. And I was thinking, what is going to capture people's attention? And I woke up, I will never forget, in the middle of the night, and I said, 
What would a lawyer do? That's it. So that was the beginning. What would a lawyer do? And everything flowed from that. I was always obsessed with monkeys. So monkeys were my, it's my spirit animal. I love them. I think they're I, something, they're human-like, yet simpler. So there's this thing called the infinite monkey theorem, which is if you put a million monkeys in front of a million typewriters, by chance, most likely, it's possible that they will type out the works of William Shakespeare. So that mathematical probability was always my way of looking at, I guess, any problem. If you put me in front of a computer for long enough, I'll probably figure it out. And that image was created by somebody, I can't even remember the guy's name, the first one that was a monkey on a typewriter. What would a lawyer do? And it's grown so big. However, that's the where I guess the art has gone is a very talented artist, Kevin Shereb, I'll give him his plug, who's done more artwork than probably any of the other artists. Maybe Josh Mulligan, too, just so my artists get their representation here. Um, they've created a lot of this, but Kevin Shereb and I have really branded this, and he's captured Marina's essence, which is the unicorn. She's obsessed with unicorns, very feminine, very mis the mystique. Her mantra is transcend the law that your problems aren't just in the law. You're in trouble, you look around, you have problems with drinking. It's a bigger picture, as you very well know. And that's where she's focused her, her passion and how she does yoga and the balance of life. And that's why Zupac Life has grown into it, where now it's more than just the law, it's a lifestyle brand. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I wish, you know, my fault, I should have brought in some of the stickers so you all could see them on the air. And if you it, reach out to Jordan, reach out to Jordan, he'll, he'll probably send you stickers. Yeah, check. Look at this. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. And this is one of the Curious George type stickers. But he's got them with monkeys, with pot leaves, with liquor bottles, all sorts of fun stuff. And it's skateboard marketing. It is skateboard marketing 101 at its finest. But every skateboarder, I'll bet, in southeastern Michigan, you go to skate spots anywhere around the city, and you'll probably see one of these stickers. I, I guarantee it. You'll see one of these stickers, and I think it is brilliant. Just like the mobile uh, law uh, advice, that is phenomenal. And how nobody has ever thought of that? I don't even know. I mean, that's crazy. Well, I can't take credit, because there is one guy who supposedly used to sit outside the Frank Murphy Hall of Justice in downtown Detroit and advertised himself as the murder lawyer and had a mobile firm. However, I still like to think that ours is much more presentable than his because I've never seen it. I've only heard about it. So apparently it's been done, but I have yet to see one that's actually rolling around because ours does roll around as the summer months come. So Daily in the Alley 2019, here we come, and maybe to an event near you. Well, and I love it when I roll up to the skate park and I see your truck out there. You can't miss it from 10 miles away. It's wrapped, it's bright, it's cool. And this guy might be inside in his suit with a, with a pair of Adidas on, you know, ripping the Burt ramp. It's, it's phenomenal. You show up at some of the biggest events around the city. Any big, actually, I'll say every big skateboard event, you will probably be there raging whatever in your suit. So you still skate. You're a lawyer, you still skate? All day, whenever I can. I've seen you on the, uh, how, how was that uh, that cruise ship? You know, they had the cruise ship with the ramp on it. You were there, right? I was there. Yeah. So, somebody had the ingenious idea to put a fully functioning mini ramp, small 
skateboard half pipe on a cruise ship in downtown Detroit, floating between Detroit and Canada. And as a result of just being around long enough or just being annoying enough that people always invite me on these things, I was asked to skateboard on it wearing a suit, which I was going to wear anyway, but they did ask and I did go. And it was a very successful, fun event and something that you just don't see every day. Or ever again. You may not see that ever again. I mean, it was it was crazy it, what they did, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful, and I saw you. I, you can see him from a mile away. I mean, you're like, oh, who's the dude in the suit? That's Jordan. You know it's Jordan every time, 100% of the time. It is Jordan, and he's ripping, ripping, ripping. If you get to see him ride, you will just sit down with popcorn and enjoy it because he skates as well today as he did 10 years ago in a suit not in a suit with equipment not with equipment doesn't freaking matter and i'm stoked that you're still skating because i know that being a lawyer like you said in the opening of the show it's 24 7 man so how do you find the time how do you find the time to skate i think there's always time to do what you want to do and if you're not finding the time, I don't think you're looking hard enough. You got to make the time. But yeah, exactly. You make the time. Because there's always an excuse not to go, but I think that it's never a choice. It's just, I'm going. Like, I may leave my car at my office, and I got to get back there, so I'll jump on my skateboard and ride the couple miles over from Ferndale to Royal Oak to go get my car back. How cool. How cool. Just imagine if you, you hire a lawyer, and you're like, oh, okay, you want to go get something to eat? And he says, no, I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go rip a vert ramp. Like, uh, uh, pick your jaw up off the ground. Like, what? You're a lawyer. You ride a skateboard? Yeah, Jordan Zupke rides a skateboard, a very, very talented skateboarder. Uh, so in this in this crazy, crazy uh, weaving of, of from point A to point B, uh, what biggest hurdles? What what is What have been some of your big hurdles, if any? I knew this question might come up, and I don't really think I have any great monumental hurdles it's been just like there's a lot of tough lessons in the law and you know you I think the one that comes to mind and the one that always every day I wake up and I think about is more of like could I have been a better lawyer and I have a guy who's doing 25 years to life on a very serious case and every single day I think about that person, I think about maybe if I did this, or maybe if I would have sold this better, or maybe if I would have done something a little better, that guy wouldn't be there. Though I think that if that's, those are the, I think, professional hurdles that I think, I think about as what it means to be a lawyer and to grow as a, as a professional. And not many people probably would have rolled the dice on a case like that. However, I had a client who insisted he was innocent. Probably ask him today, he'll tell you that he's innocent. Case is up on appeal. There's a lot of appellate issues that are going to be resolved by the higher courts. But I think about that case. I think about the individual cases. That one's a very big example. But every day, it's just the little things that like I knew better. Should have said this. Shouldn't have said that. Sometimes the best thing is what you shouldn't have said. But I don't think there's anything I had in my life that I consider to be a huge hurdle. It's more of the little mini falls on a daily basis that I think are the most uh, humbling. I was going to ask that question. What does it feel like that first time you lose a case? Huh? Oh, you got to lose on a daily basis. I mean, <laughs> I got people who are 
hammered crashing their cars on the highway. I mean, there's not a lot of defense. You can't just hire a lawyer to make that go away. It's There's an element of damage control and presenting the guy who's had five of those as worth putting on probation instead of sending to prison. Those, I think, are the... You, you redefine what it is to win because you get that guy probation, that's a huge win. Especially when you prepare him like, hey man, you could go to prison or you could be on probation. And there's a, I mean, there's such a, that's a life-changing decision that a judge is going to make in a matter of seconds and you can only hope that you say just enough of a few nice things that you make the difference. And so I think that's really, I don't know if I answered the question, but that's what I think. You know what the nugget, you know what the pearl is of that? Redefine what it means to win. I think that is huge. I hope every person just wrote that down because that is a freaking pearl of wisdom you will hear nowhere else but here on the drop-in at the NRM studios from Jordan Zupke. Redefine what it means to win. That is a great, <laughs> great just flowing. And I, I, I doubt if it was uh, pre-calculated. I don't think it was, uh, you know, something that you may have, have thought out. But that right there, that's going to be tomorrow my morning quote. I put up a morning quote every day on social media. It's going to be a Jordan Zubke quote tomorrow. Because you sometimes do, in life, have to redefine what it means to win and sort of change your values a little bit and accept that. That is huge, Jordan. Thank you very much, my brother. I appreciate Appreciate that. So, no huge hurdles, but but again, redefining what it what it means to win, and and, and again, looking at the cases, the guy doing twenty five to life, that uh, it would be hard not to question that every day, every day waking up. But you can't in the profession you chose. When you look at the, there's a caveat to that too, though, because when if you actually get into the facts of the case and what. A very young, young lady was alleging against him, very young, too young, a child, actually. It's, you look at the world and know that it's cruel and unusual, but from a professional standpoint and an advocate standpoint, I think, I, you just have to wonder. Could could Johnny Cochran have done it better? <laughs> so, yeah, if the glove if the glove fits, you must acquit or what whatever. One of the finest trial lawyers that ever walked the face of this planet, among uh, many others. And brilliant, brilliant in the media, Mr. Cochran was, and uh, and he did a heck of a job, and will be forever famous for that. Uh, y- you know, thank you again for stopping by here at NRM Studios. You brought a friend with you. Would you like to introduce uh, your friend? Yes, actually, I want to introduce one of my favorite people in this world who helped and I don't think I gave credit to him at the time but I'm going to give credit to him now Dante Alada for helping me build what is the brick and mortar Zupac Law and put his time in and is a part of it and a piece of it and has a stake in the game who started out as the kid who I didn't even want to be my intern who kept saying let me come along let me come along and eventually I said you know you're coming to trial tomorrow to take notes on this drunk driving case and here we are seven months later, and he is a part of Zupac Law, and I hope uh, maybe he'll share his experience watching it all go down from a third party's perspective. 
Right on. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, thank so, you for having me. Yeah. So you, you know, Jordan told me when you came in, you've been an integral part of, of Zupac Law. You know, how has that been for you? And how how'd you get involved with the whole deal? Uh, like Jordan said, I was really persistent. So he finally gave me a chance to come along with him. And it was one of the best opportunities in my life. And what's your plan? You you want to be a lawyer? You want to be an int Like, what do you want to do? Yeah, I'm almost finished with my undergrad right now. So I got about a year left. And I'm trying to stick with him because I've learned so much. He's a great mentor. And like I said, great friend. And I love seeing what he's created grow. It's unique, like you've said. It's awesome. It's something new. And they're more about, like, rehabilitation. It's not just, you know, we got to get this guy out of this. It's like we want to help people. We want to bring a community together that wants to, you know, move away from always just getting people in trouble to helping them out, giving them a new path. You know, that's why we have yoga there. We can bring people into that, you know, that helps people, you know, clears their head, gives people other chances, you know, let people come clean the office, let people do this, you know, they're not just clients, we try to treat them like, you know, people, like humans. And I really respect that, and it's a lot different uh, philosophy than other things. So I want to stick with him. I want to, you know, this has been a great experience, so I want to use it to get into law school. And then, you know, he says I can stay as long as I want, so I plan on it. Be careful with that. Stay as long as you want. That's it. That's we it. We have that. the space. <laughs> we, I can finally say we have the space. Well, I love it that you're not only defending people, but you're talking about a different kind of lifestyle, different kind of mindset. You bring up yoga. You bring up meditation, which has been monumental in my life. I meditate three times a day, uh, always twice if I can, three times a day, and it changed my life my perspective on things. It really minimizes some of uh, the things that you perceive as huge when you when you really think about it. They're not really that big of a deal, you know? And, and I think that is phenomenal. Uh, just, uh, I mean, where else do you have a, a law firm with a yoga studio in the basement? I don't think you could find one of those. I don't think anywhere on the, maybe nowhere on the planet, maybe somewhere in Huntington Beach or something, but I don't think here in Michigan. That is phenomenal phenomenal to have those two things together and again not just out to make a buck not just out to get everybody off any way possible no better call Saul kind of thing it is you know you really are concerned with your clients and and I like that and has that been an evolution something you guys started from the beginning that's what you wanted but uh, how did that work out you know where was it was it in the cards five years ago to tie this whole conversation into a one perfect little bow, it's that a big part of my practice are representing the skateboarders and representing the people I grew up with and my friends. A huge part of my practice is that I know these people and I've known them since we were 15 years old. So 15 years later, to help them, it's something it's difficult because you see a lot of your friends suffering and you can't help them in terms of their life daily decisions. However, you can be their advocate, support person, person to call in the middle of the night, resource. And I think that having that community of people and being so lucky that they call you, they could have called their dad's lawyer, their mom's lawyer, the family lawyer, but they call you, especially out of law school, when you know nothing and they give you the chance and you just want to do good. You just want to be the best advocate person you can be. If you don't have that pressure that you're thinking, if I don't do a good job for this guy, he's going to tell the entire skateboard community. So 
it's that pressure that my next paycheck, my next, you know, to keep my lights on is doing a good job and being a good person and being a good advocate for the person who's standing next to me and whose life is maybe in shambles or whatever the problem may be. So I think it's just wanting to professionally be the best you can be. And I think, you know, obviously if people call you, they're not at the top of their game, you know, on that oh, no. day. Oh, no, not and, often. And I, I will say for the last two years, I haven't needed a lawyer, but if I needed any kind of uh, direction, I needed somebody, a friend of mine needs a lawyer, you're always the first person I call or text and say, hey, Jordan, who can I get a hold of? We need this or that or the other thing. You're the first person I know. I, I will always contact, probably for the rest of my life. You'll be I like, hope so. You know, and, and it's just... Uh, Again, in the skateboard community, we trust each other. There's a bond built there that you won't find too many other places in the world. And and that's what um, Jordan's talking about, you know, and anybody in the community. Maybe that knew him 10, 15, 20 years ago, but they know he's a lawyer today. They're going to call him because he's a skateboarder. And they're going to trust what he says because he's a skateboarder. That's just the way it works. And I think it's phenomenal what you're doing. I mean, between the marketing, the growth, the brick and mortar, the yoga, studio the whole package is so unique if anybody watching this show wants to get a hold of you what is the easiest way to contact you jordan there's only a hundred different ways <laughs> however zupaklaw.com what would a lawyer do if you ever have that question you can always give us a call you'll find the phone number at the website instagram at skateboard lawyer on instagram at the hippie lawyer at zupaklaw at zupaklife we are everywhere on social media. Local skate parks, you'll usually find me. But if you want to do yoga, see what we're doing. Follow all of those on social media, and hopefully we can help you out. And I'll put up some links on my private page along with my professional page. Um, we, it's, it's amazing having you here today, especially because I know most evenings you're probably ripping the vert ramp at Modern, and, and you took the time to come down here and sit with me. How is your vert skating going? We've just had a brand new ramp put up, 13 foot high, 2 foot of vert, 11 foot transition, straight up X Games kind of stuff. And it's within about an hour of my house and about 20 minutes from Detroit. It's not far. How has your vert skills been happening lately? I found a re... I feel like I reinvented the way that I skateboard. If Michelangelo was still alive and he saw that ramp, he would be in awe by the how perfect. This is an industrial feat. I mean, this ramp was built by engineers and artists. This is a an incredible thing to see. So it's just I'm very lucky that it's almost in my backyard. But... Uh, it's been great. I hope to skate it for another 30 years, 40 years, 50 years even. So I'm sure I'll see you along with me. <laughs> yeah, it's very humbling. This ramp is so big. Uh, it's made us all 12 years old. Like I know it did it for me. It may be 12 years old again because this ramp is just huge. And, and I haven't skated a ramp that big in probably a decade. So just uh, you know, doing little things on the ramp really is an accomplishment. And this guy... The skateboard lawyer, Jordan Zupke, 
you should see him. I mean, I'm blown away because he, I, not a street skater, uh, just a street skater. He's an all-terrain vehicle, but vert is a whole different monster. Like, you can be an all, all-terrain vehicle, and if you want to skate a vert ramp, it's a whole different monster. The guy skates it comfortably. I've watched him and get up and go back up with a smile on his face. Knee slide out of stuff, back up with a smile on his face. It's awesome to watch. And that is the drive. That is the, I'm not done yet. That is the passion that has brought him to be known as the skateboard lawyer. Jordan, thank you so much for spending an hour with me, and you are welcome back on the drop-in anytime, my brother. I really appreciate you, dude. Do you have any closing words for our viewers? Drink and drive. I'm your guy. <laughs> don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. I don't want All right, slip and fall. Give me a call. <laughs> He's going to all better call Saul. I had to follow suit. Anyway, I, I'll tell you what. If you know anybody who think thinks all lawyers are garbage, tune them into this show. Point them to the drop-in, the Jordan Zubke show, because that is proof that there are quality individuals. He is reinventing the wheel. It, that is difficult to do. You can't reinvent the wheel. And Zupke is doing that with marketing, with mobile law advice, with a yoga studio in the basement. You incorporate all of those things, and those are totally uh, five things that don't go together. They just don't go together. So make sure to check them out. Follow all the links. I'll put them on my own personal pages along with anything to do with the drop-in on new radio media. And just get fired up. Get inspired that whatever your passion is, you can make it happen. You can combine your passions. You do what you love. Get off the damn couch and make life happen. That's what Zupke's done. That's what I'm doing. And that's what I want you to do. So thank you very much for tuning in today on the drop-in. I will see you next week.